please do take a seat. Can I add my welcome to that of Ross? It is great to see you um, all this evening. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Callum. I'm a member of the evening service here. Uh, you join us as we reach the end of our summer series in the Psalms. The weather has just about ended at summer, uh, so we're doing the same and finishing today. Uh, we're in Psalm 148, so if you can keep your Bibles open on page 633, that will be great as we'll be referring back to that as we go. You should also find one of these uh, cream-colored sheets um, in your pack of papers. Um, that will give you some guide as to uh, where we're going uh, this evening. Before we dive in, uh, let me lead us in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do speak to us through your word, the Bible. And Lord, we pray that as we look at the psalm together, that you would indeed reveal yourself to us, that we would see your glory, and as we've just been singing, that we would meet your Son, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Picture the scene, if you will. You're having a nice cup of coffee after the service, and then out the corner of your eye, you see Andy striding towards you. You kind of glance a bit more carefully, and you see he's carrying a clipboard. At this point, the little alarm bell is going off in your head. You're thinking, uh-oh, this spells trouble. What does he want? And so he approaches. Would you like to join a choir? He says. But now many thoughts spinning through your head. This is no ordinary choir. This is the St. John's Christmas choir. So how do you respond? I imagine for some of us, we'd be delighted with the invitation. We'd go, yes, yes, I'd love to be in the choir. Sign me up. However, for others of us, there's probably a multitude of reasons why we're not so keen on joining this choir. Now, first of all, you might be like me and think, I'm just not good enough. I would love to join this choir, but as anyone knows who's been standing next to me singing, I cannot sing in tune. It's not going to be a good idea to have me anywhere near a microphone when singing. For others of you, it might be, well, I'm just too busy. There's too many other priorities that I've got going on in my life to commit to the choir, um, so no thank you. For others of us, it might be, well, to be honest, the St. John's choir is a bit beneath me. <laughs> I mean, it's all right, but it's not great. You know, yes, if I'm going to be the headline act, if you're going to be performing in the Royal Albert Hall, if my face can be on the posters, then yes, maybe. But otherwise, no thank you. And so we politely decline, and we send Andy and his clipboard on their way. Now, our psalm this evening is, is very much a call to join a choir. And this one really is no ordinary choir. It's a choir of all creation called to praise the Lord. And so while joining the St. John's Choir might be right for some of us and not for others of us, I hope we'll see as we look through the psalm together that this is one choir that we do all very much want to be a part of. Now this choir, and indeed the psalm, it's divided into two parts. Uh, we've got a heavenly section, and we've got an earthly section. So we're going to look at those two um, in turn. So our first uh, bullet on the sheet 
is praise the Lord from the heavens. So look back with me uh, from verse 1 of our psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his heavenly hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. So here we have the heavens and all that is in them called to praise the Lord. We've got the angels, we've got the heavenly hosts, we've got the sun, the moon, the stars. We've got the expanses of the heavens, the highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. That's just a very sort of positive way of describing rain. Um, basically, everything up there is uh, called to praise the Lord. And then comes a why. Why praise the Lord from the heavens? First of all, for he made them. So look again, verses 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Why? For he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. So the time of this psalm being written, the people of Israel are surrounded by other nations who are worshipping all sorts of different gods. They're worshipping the sun, they're worshipping the moon, they're worshipping the stars. They've got gods of rain and so on. And what the psalmist is declaring here is that their God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, he's supreme over all these other gods. Because he's saying, these things praise God, and therefore come, praise God alone. He's saying, why do you worship the sun? The sun worships our God because our God created it. This is the one true God that you're to be praying, praising. And the psalmist poses the same question of us. Now, we might not be going around worshipping the sun and the moon, but what are the things that are captivating our hearts? What is it that we're worshipping? The psalmist is saying, how can it be anything other than the God of the Bible? He created all things. So you're either worshipping something that he made or something that doesn't exist. Praise the Lord alone. He is supreme over all other gods. And secondly, we see, praise the Lord from the heavens, for he set them in place. So verse 6, we see God has given stability and structure and order to his creation. Now, kind of the opposite of order is chaos. And in the Old Testament, that's a poetic thing, that's associated with danger, with threats, with evil. So the message here is, there is no need to fear. Take comfort. God is in control. God is sovereign over all the things that threaten us. Now, do we take that comfort to heart? Take comfort. We do not need to fear. God has brought order to his creation. Now, you may well be wondering, okay, well, what does it mean for these things to praise God? What does it mean for the sun and the moon and the stars to praise God? We don't see them literally speaking out going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, in many ways, we actually, in everyday conversation, give voice to things that don't have a voice. So say, for example, next Sunday, Ross walks into church and he's sporting a bright green Mohican. It's a good look. Now, amongst other things, we might say his hair was making a statement. 
Or if we wanted a sort of slightly more cultured example, you could go down uh, to the museums in South Kensington and see all those impressive buildings. And we could say how the buildings speak of the confidence of Victorian Britain. You see, these things reflect the character or purpose of the one who made them. And in the same way, God's creation praises God by being what they were created to be and by doing what they were created to do. So the variety, the creativity, the order, the beauty of creation speak of the character of the one who made them. And in doing so, they point us to him. They bear witness to his greatness and his sovereignty. So as we marvel at them, as we enjoy the sunshine, as we see the beauty of what God has made, let's not forget to look upward, beyond them, to the God who made them and set them in place. So that's the first half of our choir. That's the up there bit. They're praising the Lord from the heavens, for he made them and set them in place. Now, secondly, we have praise the Lord from the earth. So let's look again from verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. So here we have the full array of the earthly creation called to praise the Lord. We've got both great and small. We've got these great sea creatures, these massive mountains, the big cedar trees, the wild animals. But we've also got fruit trees, birds, insects. And with humans too, we've got both great and small. We've got the kings, the rulers, the princes. But then we've also got the young men, the maidens, the children. All human beings regardless of their status, regardless of their gender, regardless of their age, they're all called to praise the Lord. And notice too, it's not just the people of Israel, but all peoples, all nations called to praise the Lord. Because this God, he's not just the God of Israel. He is the God of the whole earth and everything and everyone in it. And then as before, the psalmist sets out why. Why should we praise the Lord from the earth? First of all, for his glory. So verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and heavens. He is Lord of all. God sustains both great and small. He cares for them all. He made you and he made me, and he sustains us day by day. So don't think you're too small for God to care. He does care about each and every one of us. But also don't think you're too great to praise God. Be humbled. There is none like him, none that for a moment can be compared to him. His glory surpasses all others. And in a way, we kind of get to the end of verse 13 and we think, well, we've got this lovely picture of all creation praising God. And it feels like the Psalms sort of end there. It's a nice, happy note. We've gone back to the earth and heavens. It all wraps up. Um, sure, from a literary point of view, we go, oh, this is great, you know, nice and symmetrical. 
But if it did stop there, it would probably just be this sort of pious fantasy because it doesn't bear any resemblance to what we see around us. Because there's a problem, and that problem is us, human beings. Because called to live a life of praise to God, we don't do it. We're sinful. We so often seek our own praise, our own glory, rather than God's. We don't consider God deserving of our praise. And that's why this last verse, verse 14, is so important. Because without this verse, there's no hope of this glorious vision of all creation praising God becoming a reality. But this verse shows us how God is going to solve the problem of human beings. And so we get to our point, praise the Lord from the earth for his king. Verse 14, he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. So here we've got this picture of God raising up a horn for his people. Now in Old Testament language, our footnote helps us out here, it says a horn, it's a, it's a picture, it's a symbol of strength, of a king. So God is going to raise up a rescuer, a king, someone who's going to make them into a praised people. Now probably what the psalmist has immediately in mind here has been prompted by the return from Israel from exile. But it also points forward something much bigger than that. Because as we heard in our second reading from Luke, hundreds of years after the psalm was written to be sung by the people of Israel, one of their priests, Zechariah, he prophesied, he declared, declaring that Jesus was this horn that God was raising up for his people. That Jesus was our king, our strength, our rescuer, Jesus, God's own son, Jesus who was with the Father right back at the beginning when they created all these things, through whom all these things that we see that are praising God were created. That Jesus, he came to earth as a man. He lived that perfect life of praise to God. And then he willingly gave up his life to deal once and for all with the problem of our sin. He was raised up for his people on a cross. He was the one, in the words of verse 14, that was close to God's heart. And it's only through Jesus that we can become a people close to God's heart. What an awesome God we have. We say, praise the Lord for his King, Jesus Christ, who came to rescue us. But then the question arises, well, how are we to praise the Lord? What does it look like for us to praise the Lord? Five quick thoughts to go with the five bullets on the sheet. First of all, we praise him out of love and gratitude. Now, I'm sure you've all been there when some young boy is given a bit of cake or something. This is certainly how I used to be. You get a bit of cake and you trot off happily, stuffing your face and the chocolate's kind of going everywhere. And then the boy's parents will call him back and go, now, you didn't say thank you to Auntie Molly for the bit of cake. Say thank you. At which point the boy kind of trudges back, says, thank you, with kind of that, you know, the way that, I don't know how kids do it. They manage to con convey as little gratitude and sincerity as, as completely possible as you can imagine. Um, and off he 
um, trots again. And yet, certainly for me, so often my praise to God bears more resemblance to that little boy than I would like. It's often half-hearted, it's a bit ritualistic, rather than being born out of any sense of gratitude. So let's pray that God would continue to fill our hearts with wonder at what he has done. That as we see the beauty of his creation, that we would delight in it and remember and praise its creator. But also as we see the brokenness of this world, that we would rejoice that God has defeated death, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth with no more sin and suffering. Let our praise to God be the overflow of our hearts. Secondly, we praise him by being what we're, we were created to be. So in the same way as the rest of creation, it praises God by being what they were created to be and doing what they were created to do. So do we. So we know from Genesis 1 that we were created in the image of God. We were created to be in relationship with the God who made us. So we praise God by using the gifts that he has given us for his glory. Now that's going to look different for different people. He's given us different gifts. So for some people it might be the gift of hospitality. For others it might be leading Bible studies, cooking or admin, playing a musical instrument, doing the finances, providing for the, the needy or the lonely. Whatever the gifts that God has given you, use them for his glory. That's going to look different for different ones of us. But for each of us, living out lives that seek to honor God, depending on him, seeking to live in relationship with him through his son, seeking to do his will, putting him first in our lives, we bring praise to him. So let's praise him by being what we were created to be. Thirdly, we praise him together. So this psalm was written to be sung together by the people of God. And notice how that repeated refrain, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's both upward. We're both praising God by saying that. But we're also saying it to each other. We're calling and encouraging one another. saying, praise the Lord. Come on, let's praise the Lord. So let's be doing that. Let's be encouraging one another, spurring one another on to keep living lives that bring praise to God reminding one another of God's character, of what he's done, of his love and his faithfulness to us. Let's praise the Lord together. Fourthly, we praise him to others. Now, I like to imagine, this may not be true, but I'd like to think it is, that when Christine and I started dating, she couldn't stop telling all her friends about her wonderful new boyfriend. How he was really good looking, he was funny, he was caring, he was charming, he was humble, and so on. <laughs> and through this, I imagine her friends were really, really excited to meet me because they could see how much I meant to Christine. And they also had an idea of a perception of what I was like through how uh, what she had said about me. Now, this is obviously a terrible parallel illustration. <laughs> but let's praise God to others. Let them see how much he means to us. Let them see how highly 
we think, let them see how highly we think of him. Let them see why and how much we want them to know him. So let's praise God to others. Let's be passionate in our praise um, to, of praising God uh, to others. Fifthly, we praise him through Jesus. So not only should we praise God for Jesus, but let's remember it's not what we have done or how good we are at praising him that matters, but rather this is only through Jesus and what he has done that we're able to come near to God at all. So to pick up that sort of choir analogy, we're not in this choir because we're great singers, but because Christ is and we're in him. So let's live out lives praising God in every way, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our body, with all our strength, knowing we'll do so imperfectly. We'll hit a few wrong notes, but we can take comfort, take heart, that we need not fear being kicked out of this choir, for we praise the Lord through Jesus. And so as we come to a close, in this psalm we've got this picture, this call to join this choir of all creation in praising the Lord, to give God the praise and the glory that he deserves as our creator and savior. And yet our responses might be similar to Andy's invitation to join the St. John's Choir. So for some of us, we may think we're not good enough to join this choir. If that's you, I hope you've seen this evening that being part of this choir that praising God does not depend how good you are, but on how good Jesus is. If you are trusting in Jesus, you are in this choir. All are welcome. Come trust in Jesus. Secondly, you might be thinking, I'm just too busy to commit. I've got too much else on, too many other pressures, too many other things to do to come and join this choir. If that's you, I'd simply say, please don't miss out. By praising God, we are being what we were created to be. What better way to spend our time, both now and for eternity, in praising God, in being what we were created to be. Come and join this choir. Or perhaps for you, you kind of quite like being in charge. You like being the face on the poster. And you're not quite convinced that God is deserving of our praise. My prayer is, if that's you, that what we've looked at this evening has shown you that God is indeed deserving of your wholehearted praise. He made this world. He sustains it day by day. He made you. He loved you so much that he died for you so that you might enjoy eternal life with him. By trusting in Jesus, you can know God. He's deserving of all your praise. Come join the choir. And so the question for each of us is, how will we respond? How will we respond with this call to join the choir? Can I urge each of you, come join the choir. Come praise the Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful if each and every one of us was part of that choir of all creation, praising God on that final day? 
Ross opened the service with those words from Revelation. Wouldn't it be great if we were all in that choir, looking forward with joy and confidence to that new creation, when we're going to join with the angels, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, and singing praise to God. Come, let's join that choir. Let me pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the creator of all, that your splendor is above the earth and the heavens. Father, we thank you that you care for each and every one of us. We thank you for your son Jesus, our King and our Rescuer, through whom we can draw close to you. Lord, may we be people who delight to praise your name. By your Spirit, enable us to live lives that bring praise and glory to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> well, now we have the opportunity to uh, put Calm's third application into action straight away and praise God together. Um, so let's stand and praise our God and King. Let's join with the chorus.